Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. It happens every January. A fresh calendar fills us with the hope of a fresh start in life. All over our cities, the gyms will be packed and the McDonald's drive throughs will be empty. All over Amazon, Kindle books are being downloaded right now. Just a ton of them. And calorie counts are being uploaded right now. All over. It is the season of getting better. Everyone wants to get better. And that is kind of the inspiration behind the sermon series or this collection of talks that we're going to be sharing with you for the month of January entitled The You Redo. I don't know if you've ever played a game as a kid and you were beginning to lose at that game. And because it was your game in your house, you had the ability to stop the game mid-game with one word. Everybody had to stop. Everybody had to reset. No, no, no. Redo. I don't like the way that went. I don't like how it happened. Redo. Give me. You know what? My ball. Fine. I'm leaving. Right? It's just your ball, your home, your rules. And I think in life, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a redo? If you had the authority in the middle of whatever life was throwing at you to call a redo and just start over. For many people, January is that time. And a lot of people get cynical about people who get excited about January 1st because they notice, correctly so, that they don't really often carry those habits on into the rest of the year, that they have that attitude for about five or six days. But not me. I'm not cynical. I appreciate the January attitude. I appreciate the, oppor- the opportunity for people to believe in newness. And, because for me, it's for me the best way that I can explain to people what it's like to follow Jesus Christ. I remember sharing with someone in December. They asked me, what are you going to do this new year? I was like, my wife and I are going to plan a church. And they didn't understand that. They figured there was a lot of churches in the world already, correctly so. And they didn't understand why people would go to church in general. They were uh, not really believers. And I, uh, since it was around New Year's Eve time, I told them pretty simply, I said, well, you know that feeling you get on New Year's Day when everything's new and it feels like you've got a fresh start and your past is gone and the opportunities are endless and the possibilities are limitless and it just feels like you can do absolutely anything you put your mind to? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, that's what it's like to be a Christian. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. That's what it's like to put your hope in God. Every single day is January 1st. With Jesus, every day is January 1st. Every day is January 1st. Yeah, go ahead, give him some praise. You get a fresh start every single day, no matter what your past was, no matter what you went through, you get a brand new, fresh start. And and I think one of the reasons why New Year's is so, let me elaborate on that. I think one of the reasons why New Year's is so special is because for one day, we change the filter on our lives. You know, I think uh, for the most most part, we have a, a pretty ugly filter on our lives. I like to call it the three Ps. Our filter is made up of the three Ps. Uh, We like to see life through our past, the things that have happened to us. We kind of project them into the future. Our pain, what we feel, the hurt that people have caused us, or our present, kind of whatever goes on at the moment. But did you know you can change the filter on your life? We do it every January 1st. For one day, all of that doesn't 
matter. We know the power of a filter in this generation more than any generation, right? I was in bed with my wife the other day, and I wanted to take a picture. Nothing freaky. My kids were there in the bed. I just had my camera out. She woke up. She, she looked beautiful, just beautiful. And, uh, and I took out my phone, and I did the selfie cam, and I snapped a photo. And uh, she looked at me like, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, I was like, you look beautiful, babe, and I want the world to know how beautiful you look. She's like, you better burn, delete that. Let me see that picture. Let me see it. And so I showed her my phone, and, and she's like, no, you're not going to post it. I'm like, yes, I am. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, you are beautiful, okay? And we're going to show the world that you're beautiful. And, then, and after like five minutes of arguing about this photo, she finally gave me permission to post it with, with one prerequisite. What do you think that, that prerequisite was? She said, fine. But at least put a filter on it. Well, we love filters. You get the right filter on your photo, you remove blemishes, you can get rid of a wrinkle. You got no wrinkles, I'm just saying for the average person. You get rid of wrinkles, the eyes pop out, lips are extra plus. Snapchat actually has a filter called the beauty filter. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, you do. You haven't taken a picture with any other filter, but that filter, since they invented it, glowing, looking like just... Moses coming down from the mountain, just glowing, you know? And so, and so she gave me permission after the filter. And I'm like, well, I don't get it. It's the same face, different filter. And it's amazing how we can come into the year with so much hope but really have the same life. Like life really doesn't change, right, at 1201. Like you're still living in the apartment. Like you're still there. Like your AC still doesn't work. Like you're... You're still there. Like, your husband, he's still there. Like, you know what I mean? And the filter really doesn't, but the, the, the face never changes. But the filter, right, it's because for one day, we get all of those other P's out of the way, and we make space for the most important P. We get rid of the pain, and we get rid of the past, and we get rid of the present. And for one day, we let one more P come into the picture, and it's potential. For one day, we care more about what 2017 can be than what 2016 was. We care more about what tomorrow can be than what yesterday was. We forget the bad choices we made, and we commit to making good choices. We see life for what it can be, not what it is or even what it has been. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus allows you the freedom to always live in a brand new day. Because every day you wake up, your yesterday has been erased. Your last year has been gone. Your bad choices have been forgotten. I try to explain to people what it's like to follow Jesus. And it's like waking up every morning and it's January 1st. You're talking about a God who said the following, I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's amazing. Do you know how far that is? Far. I'm not a scientist. It's far. They never touch. Okay, well, maybe they do because the world is round, but you know what I mean. That's what God says. He says everything that you've done yesterday, it's gone. I separate it. You're talking about a God who says that every morning you wake up, my mercies are new. Oh, my goodness. New mercies. New mercies. I remember when I first started dating, a lot of my stories when I preach are my wife or my kids, okay? So you just got to bear with me. But I remember when I was dating my wife, she was so out of my level. She still is out of my level. And I remember one day waking up thinking, I'm going to go, like, on a date with her. She's going to look at me and be like, wait. What? (laughs) I was just afraid. Like, one day the jig would be up, and then her mercies would not be new that day. She didn't run out of mercies. 
She just looked at me and said, no, what are you talking? I'm so glad that we serve a God that every time we wake up, if you can imagine it, his breath gets taken away by the beauty of who you are. And he bestows new mercy every single morning. That's amazing. I'm talking about a God who said that when you come into Christ and once you put your trust in him, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Because you imagine, if you've been in church for a while, you might have heard this term, born again. It's this idea of coming into the world with a brand new slate. I want you to know that we do not get born again once when we say some type of magical prayer, but every morning we wake up, we are born again. We are being born again. We get a fresh new start, and I love it because really what Christianity means to me, who Jesus means to me, is not a once-a-year hope, but everyday hope. I'm not perfect. I got a lot going on in my life. I've got issues, but if there's one thing I've been able to work out in my salvation, it's this. Every morning I wake up with hope because I know that it's a brand new start. And if I could want anything for you in 2017, it would be that, for you to have an everyday kind of hope, a hope that wakes up with you in the morning, that goes to bed with you at night, that gives you purpose, that that erases pain, that erases the past, that erases the present, and, and just only leaves space for potential. That's what I pray over your life. Now, you all have it. God's given it to you, but you got to protect it and you got to guard it. You got to guard that everyday hope like you guard your January high. Okay, and I'm talking about January high, like, you know, that New Year high. Just, I got to be clear. We have a church with people who will go through stuff, so I got to be clear. Um, got a high I'm talking about. Uh, so, your January high, you got to make sure you guard, you guard your everyday hope like you guard that. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I, I, uh, I grew up in church, and one of the traditions that churches have, some churches, is to do New Year's Eve at church, which I think is so cool. If we ever have our own building one day, I'll definitely, I'd, I'd love to do that. It's a great way to bring in the new year. And I remember being a teenager, uh, growing, going through teenage stuff, and there was a song on about freedom, which, ironically, we were singing a song about freedom. I think all worship leaders get together around New Year's and start singing about freedom. And so they were singing a song about freedom, and I was in my seat, you know, I don't know, 16, 17, probably 16. And as the freedom song was coming across the loudspeakers, I just started to proclaim that over my life. Specifically, there was one girl in my school who I just couldn't, I couldn't be around. Because every time I was around her, it just wasn't healthy. Bad things happened. This is before Liz and way, way, way before Liz. And, um, and you know what? I did it. I, I, I was able to keep my distance. That, that, that commitment was going well. I was guarding that promise. I was guarding my, my new year. And then I didn't. And I'll save you the details. I just want you to know I didn't. I wasn't able to hold on as long as I wanted to hold on or keep my distance as long as I wanted to keep on. And it was like in that moment, I didn't just fail that day, but it was like I failed for, 20, for, the, for that year. Like I gave up entirely. And you got to be careful because failure is not meant to last forever. But sometimes when we fail, we project that failure into the future when we haven't even failed yet, right? Let's bring it a little more practical. It's like the gym. Everybody is going to go to the gym tomorrow. I know people who are going to the gym. Trace is going today. Trace, it's been five weeks. I'm going today after church. I'm going to get my spiritual on, and I'm going to get my body on. I got you. Here's the thing. A crazy week is going to happen. You're going to have to put in some overtime hours. The kid's going to get sick. Somebody's going to throw up, and you're going to miss the gym. And the day you miss the gym, it's like the gym blew up. Right? Psychologically, it's not like I'm going to go back next week. It's like, oh, man. I missed it. That's it. I'm never going to be fit again. 2018, here I come. It's like January 3rd. Like, don't quit. 
right? Or prayer. A lot of people are making commitments to wake up in the morning and pray. The one morning you sleep in, forget about it. Going to hell, this is over. I'm never going to pray again. Or Bible. Oh, my goodness, that's my thing. Um, how many people are starting a Bible reading plan? Raise your hand. You should. You should. It's a good thing. I start a Bible reading plan every year. I've reviewed my last three Bible reading plans for the last two years, and I was going to bring a picture to prove it, but I thought you would lose all respect for your pastor, and so I did not. I have not passed 33% of my Bible reading. That's the highest I have ever gotten, one-third of the way, because usually somewhere along the year, it just becomes too much to catch up. You know, it's like you got this app, and it's like I, I hit it, I catch up, and then I hit it one day, catch up, and the app told me it would take 180 days to catch up. I was like, well, I guess 2018, here I come. Now, I do read the Bible. I do want you to know that. Your pastor reads the Bible often. It's just this plan that I was on that I was uh, trying, uh, trying to, to keep. And, so, and, it's, and it's crazy because in those moments, the same goal that encouraged you in January is now depressing you in February. The same thing that got you excited about your new year is now the thing that gets you depressed. Like, they don't do it anymore. I think it's like so 2015. Wanted to say that. Uh, just wanted to do that, actually. Um, so 2015, uh, this thing called hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. If you're still doing hashtag goals, get into the new year. We don't do that anymore. Um, but there was this big thing in 2015, hashtag goals. Do you ever seen that on social media? And it would be, it would be people would post these photos of like these huge yachts, you know, or like super ripped bodies, and or like they'd be this perfect couple. You know, everybody's like white with blonde hair, blue eyes, and like that their kids are like models, and like they even smell good. Like I don't even know how you're looking at a picture, but somehow you can smell them. Like they even smell good. This is, this is insane. And you and you and you get on there and you hashtag goals, but you didn't mean it in a good way. It was like hashtag goals, sad face emoji. Hashtag goals, sigh. Hashtag goals, ah. It was like, and it's these idea where, and sometimes reality can be so far from your dream that it actually becomes depressing. And I want to encourage you in this new year because you're going to set some goals, and I know that they're going to be great goals, and I believe you're going to make them. But here's what I also know. You're not there yet. You're not there now. If you were, you wouldn't have said it. And here's what you got to learn to do. you got to learn to live in the place between reality and your goal. You got to learn to enjoy the place between uh, your today and your tomorrow, your your reality and your dreams, because they're not the same. They're they're different, and if and if you get too freaked out or too stressed out about what you don't have, you're gonna ruin it all. And so you have to you have to know how to do. It. And Paul was great at that. When you look at Philippians, Paul is writing about goals. He's writing about dreams, but he's not writing them. From, from a five-star hotel balcony room. He's not riding them from his yacht. He's not riding them from his comfy leather chair in the middle of his living room. The man is writing about goals from the, from the stone floor of a prison cell. What I love about Paul is that he, look what he says. Let's, let's go to, uh, to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. We'll put it up on the screen, right? Because it's hard. It's hard to dream when you're not, when you're not currently where you are. Like, it's hard to dream about owning a home when you're living in a two-bedroom apartment, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, to dream about your teenager being a contributor to society when he grows up when he can't even clean his room. Like, it's a challenge. Uh, it's hard seeing the abs underneath your fat. Like, it's hard. It can be a challenge. You know they're there. At least they tell you they're there. But 
You're not really sure. It can be a challenge, okay? Between reality and your goals, it can be tough. But I love what Paul does. Paul doesn't let his reality hold him in or, or rein him in. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It's not that I have already reached this goal. That's an understatement, buddy. You are a prisoner in a cell eating one meal a day. But I, I appreciate your humility in this. It's not that I've already reached this goal. Again, that's everybody here. You set a goal that you haven't reached yet. And if you're not careful, come February, it's going to be more depressing than encouraging it is today. I'm going to prepare you for this. Or that I have already been perfected. Here's my favorite part. But I give up on it because it's just too hard. But you know what? I'm going to try again in 2018 because 2017 is already a wrap. Is that what he says? Is that what he says? What's he say? But I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Did you catch it? He said, I haven't reached my goal. I'm not free. I'm still struggling. I'm still not there yet. I still haven't been able to save that much money. I still don't have the house. I still don't have the car. I still don't have the career. I'm still not where I want to be. But it doesn't get me down. It actually gets me going. It actually gets me going. You know, reality can do two things. Stress can do two things. Failure can do two things. Either you can, it can either get you down or it can get you going. I remember it was August, and uh, my wife and I went to, we had married eight years. We are currently married eight years. And we went to uh, a conference, awesome Christian conference thing. And uh, I'm going to let you in on a really personal moment right now. I think it's the best thing for a pastor to do to just be honest and transparent. The worst thing for you is to think that I'm perfect because I'm not. I'd rather you, instead of trying to be perfect, just chase perfection instead of actually being it because you'll never be it. And so one day in August, we were out there in New York, and we got into a stupid fight. It was about a camera and batteries. It's so dumb. We're there. She's like, where's the batteries? And I'm like, we don't need the batteries. And she's like, it's going to die. I'm like, it's not going to die. And she's like, it is, and you didn't even think to charge it. I don't want to make a blanket statement about women because that would be wrong, but you guys do love taking pictures. Is that safe to say? You love taking pictures, love to capture the moment, more so than I, at least me, and uh, my wife is one of those people. And we got into this big argument, and for the first time in my life, and you, I got to let you, don't judge me, I'm just letting you in on, on me, and uh, for the first time in my marriage, for a moment, and it was just the way she was acting and the way I was really perceiving her acting, like she's a great person, but the way I was perceiving it, and I told her all this too, by the way. This isn't like news to her. <laughs> we talked about this, so don't feel bad. Um, I, I, to, I told her, I said, I, said I, I told her after, I said, for the first time in my mind, it's even hard to say, preaching to you, but I could imagine my life, not that I wanted to get a divorce or get, but for the first time in my life, I could imagine my life without my wife. And I had, and, and I had never, I, I love my wife. Divorce was the furthest thing from my mind. But there was a point where I could never imagine life without Liz. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. But for a second in the middle of that argument, I could picture my life without her and me being okay. And it, and it, and it, and it freaked me out. And, and I went home from that trip. And you know what I started doing? I started getting up early helping with the breakfast for the kids. I started cleaning the bathrooms. I never cleaned the bathrooms. I started putting away my clothes even when I didn't have to. I started putting away her clothes. I started wiping butts of the kids, my kids, my kids' butts. I started 
I started, I cooked meals. Do you know why? I, 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 got, I got angry. Not the kind of angry that makes me want to fight or argue, but I got angry that I had allowed myself to get into that place in my marriage that I had committed. I am going to make a difference, and I am going to serve my way out of this emotion. I'm going to love my wife out of this emotion. I'm just going to keep giving and giving and giving until I can break free from this thing. And after about a month, she came, after about a month, we were having a conversation, uh, and she goes, hey, you've been different lately. And then she said, and I just want you to know I'm sorry about New York. Just like that. And I just was like, I have to tell you something. <laughs> For the first time, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. And then she was like, oh, that's okay. She was like, but well, you're going to keep doing all those things, right? <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, nah, we're good now. We're going to go back to the old way. <laughs> we're fine. Um, and, uh, and here's what I've learned. Listen, reality can either get you down or it can get you going. Failure can hold you prisoner or it can set you free. Because failure is failure, really. But what really makes a difference is, is, is not what it is necessarily, but what it, what it does to you, what it does to you. And so here we have a gallon of water. Now, I want you to imagine that, this, uh, that your passion, that your goal, that your dream, whatever it is for the new year, is, is a fire that is burning bright. And it is January 1st, baby. Burn, baby, burn, right? Your, your goals are up to the top. You are ready to take over the world. You are ready to lose those 50 pounds. You are ready to finally, uh, you know, get that house, get that promotion. You are pumped. I should imagine that your goal is that fire. Here's what failure can be if you're not careful. Failure can be water. If you're not careful, failure can douse out the passion in your life for whatever it is that you're chasing in 2017. Or failure can be gasoline. It can be the thing not that extinguishes your passion and your dreams or your hopes, but it can actually be the thing that ignites it and takes it to a whole nother level. You know what I found out in research and preparing for this sermon? that I didn't know at the time. Do you know, do you remember how, how, how long I said I was married with my wife or currently am married? Eight years. I Googled this morning just for the heck of it. Just, I was just wondering. I said, hey, Google. I didn't really, I just typed it. I said, what's the average length of marriages in the United States before they divorce? You know what it is? Eight years. What the devil intended to be water, God used for gasoline. I was this close to being a statistic, but I didn't let it get me down. I let it get me mad. I'm going to continue this illustration throughout the rest of this talk. And when I talk about the water, I want you to imagine discouragement, discouragement. And when I talk about the gasoline, I want you to imagine, I'm going to give you a brand new word, okay? It's a, it's a church word. We try to stay away from them as much as we can. But I'm going to use this one because it's a good one. I want you to imagine holy discontent. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, holy discontent. 
You know what holy discontent is? I'll tell you right now. Ready? It's this. Christian mad. Is Jesus mad? Is God mad? Is holy mad? Is good mad? Because you know there's two types of mads. There's a good mad and there's a bad mad. There's a mad that comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a mad that comes from hell. There's a mad that comes uh, from God. There's a mad that comes from the devil. There's a mad that comes from selfishness. And there's a mad that comes from selflessness. A lot like uh, guilt and conviction. You know, when we sin, some of us feel guilty and some of us feel convicted. They're both feel-bads, but guilty comes from hell. Guilty is, I can't believe you did that. You're a horrible person. The Holy Spirit comes in. He makes you feel bad, but he doesn't make you feel guilty. He makes you feel convicted. And here's the difference. Conviction is, hey, you did it, but you're better than that, and I know you're better than that, and you're going to get up, and you're going to do better next time. You're going to be better, right? That's the difference. I'm still the sinner, but I choose to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me instead of the devil to make me feel guilty. The big difference is one keeps you, and the other makes you go. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, I want to go. When the devil makes me feel guilty, I just want to give up. Same thing with mad. There's one kind of mad that makes you want to quit, and there's one kind of mad that makes you want to keep going. My son currently is struggling with the mad that makes you want to quit. This is a true story about justice. You are not going to believe it if I tell you it, but it's so true it happened this morning. When my son gets mad, he quits. Whatever that, whatever he's doing. Like, it started off with, like, writing, penmanship. He couldn't get, like, his letters to look exactly the right way. My wife homeschools. And when he misses just, like, a little, like, an inch off, he throws the pencil down. He's like, I'm done with this. He wants to, he's four. And he walks off. And now he started this new thing. Pray for me, guys. He started this new thing where if he gets into a, an argument with Liz or I, I swear, he leaves the house. Like, that's not even a prepared joke for you. Like, this is reality. Like, he, where's justice? And he's like down the street. And you're like, hey, bro, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm mad at you, mommy. And where are you going? I'm going. He hasn't really thought it through. This morning, he got into an argument. This is so real. It happened this morning. He got into an argument with my wife. I don't know what it was about. And, but, but. We, we, we come down, he's in his pajamas, and we think the argument's over. He comes upstairs, we meet him halfway down the stairs, and he's in his Chuck Taylors. And we're like, where are you going? It's like we caught him before he was about to make another break for it. Like, he's crazy. He gets mad, and he can't deal with it, and he goes away. That's a bad kind of mad. That's not the kind of mad I want you to be. I want you to be the good mad. I don't get bad mad. I get good mad. I really do. Just ask my wife. We'll get into an argument, and it'll be 3 in the morning, and she'll be like, I'm tired. And I'm like, we are not going to bed until we talk about this problem. I refuse to let my marriage become a statistic. You will talk to me about what is going on right now. Was it the socks? I'm sorry about the socks. I'll never do the sock thing again. I'm sorry. Right, babe? That's me. I'm, I get good now. I'm not going to leave until I figure it out. Some of you guys need to get good mad about the problems in your life. Because until you get good mad, you're not going to see the change that you want to see in your life. Sometimes we become too complacent with where our life is. And we wonder why we're not where we want to be. It's because we're just too comfortable. We got to get mad. 
You got to get mad about your debt. Instead of letting the debt weigh you down, instead of letting the debt make you, you know, depressed, why don't you put some gas in on you? You know what? I'm tired of these bills. Get all those credit cards. Chop them up. Create a budget. Start saving. Work some extra hours. At out of, be mad. Be mad and get it done. Uh, some of you guys, your back hurts. And that's been your excuse for not exercising because your back hurts. And you just let that back pain all over there. You know what? Just my back hurts. I can't go to the gym. I can't exercise. You know what? Why don't you get mad and say, I'm tired of my back hurting. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to lose the necessary weight. I'm going to eat. I'm going to get on the diet. I'm going to throw out the potato chips. I can't throw out the potato chips. My back hurts. No. No. Get the gasoline on it. You got to get mad. Some of you guys' kids, like my kids, are crazy. You can't let, you can't let that, that the issues that your children are going through douse you. Listen, I know sometimes family can be difficult, but you know what? Instead of saying, you know what, I can't deal anymore. I'm closing the door. I'm going to bed. I can't hang. Don't do that. You know what you do? Get good mad. Get good mad. Wait until they're sleeping and then go into their bed and start laying hands. But with good mad hands, not bad mad hands. I'm not talking about laying hands. I'm talking about, I'm talking about getting so mad. Listen, I'm talking about getting so mad that when they go to sleep, you sneak by their bed. You put your hand on your feet and you say, oh, no, in the name of Jesus, I declare my son is going to grow up to be a man of God. My daughter is going to grow up to be a woman of God. I declare future over her life. I declare prophecy over her life. I'm going to get good mad. Good man, that's my kid. You're not going to mess with my kid. You're not going to mess with my marriage. You're not going to mess with my health. So I'm going to get good mad and I'm going to make some changes. We got to get good mad. I'm so glad that there were people in the Bible who got good mad. You know, there was someone named David who got good mad when a giant named Goliath was talking about God and talking about the people of Israel and talking about all of the, you know what, God's not real. And he grabbed some stones. He looked at everybody else around him. He said, nobody cares about this guy talking bad about us. Uh-uh. Started a revolution. Saved the nation because he got mad. You got to get mad. There was this guy named Nehemiah in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard about him, but, but he, he was a citizen of the city of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem at the time was completely destroyed, and he went back for a holiday and when he went back, he saw the walls of Jerusalem in rubble. He saw the temple in rubble. And he hears all the people around the temple saying, you remember when that used to be something? Remember when these people used to be special? <laughs> he didn't let that. He didn't let their snickering. He didn't let the, the, the destruction of what was. He didn't let the pain and all that pour water on his passion. He got good man. He had a meeting with the king of Persia, risked his life, and said, hey, I need you to make Jerusalem a city again. I need you to give them autonomy again. I need you to give me wood. I need you to give me soldiers. And I need it all soon because I got to go rebuild it. And what the Persian king said, he said, yeah, I had a dream about that. Everything you need is yours. Here you go. Everything you need is yours. That's good, man. Uh, I'm talking about uh, that guy named Peter in the Bible who was a fisherman for his whole life. The fisherman is a hard, hard job, hard work, very, very mundane, very... Uh, uh, kind of just over uh, and over again. There's not a lot of newness uh, to it, very redundant profession. And I, there was a time where this guy named Jesus walks up to this fisherman and says, hey, do you want to be a fisher of a man instead of a fisherman? And I'm sure that the devil was whispering in his ear, come on, you got nothing. 
you're just a regular old guy. You just, all you do is, is catch fish. You don't really have skills. A preacher, come on, that's not your job. You got nothing. But you know what I believe, Peter? I believe Peter got good, man. I'm tired of my career. I'm tired of being in the same place. I'm tired of no excitement, no adventure. Yeah, Jesus, I'm coming. I'm going to follow. Good man. You know who else got good mad? I'm so glad that he did. Jesus. I'm sure glad Jesus got good mad in heaven. And he looked down at your life and my life and saw all of the problems, all of the trouble, all of the issue, all of the hurt, all of the pain. And instead of throwing water on humanity and say, you know what, Father, let's just start over because these guys ain't going to get it. Just wipe them out and start over. I'm glad he got good mad. And he looked to the Father and he said, send me. Turn me into a little baby. I'll go down. I'll live a perfect life. They'll beat me. They'll bruise me. They'll hang me on a cross. But at the end of it, we'll rescue humanity, and we'll give them hope and a future one more time. We'll restore them. We'll give them life. He got good mad. He got good mad. He got good mad. It's time to shake off complacency in our lives. We're not going to see change until we get upset about what's going on around us. And not just in our personal lives, too. When you begin to adapt this perspective, it grows past you. Now it's not just your situation that gets you mad. But now you're looking at the person on the corner of the street holding a sign in a bucket, and that gets you mad. And you want to do something about that, too. And you hear stories about teens killing themselves because of bullying going on in high schools and middle schools. And all of a sudden, you start to get mad. I want to do something about that. I want to make a change. I'm going to resolve in 2017 to speak encouragement, to be a mentor at a high school or a middle school, or to, or to make sure that my daughter goes to school every day encouraged and excited about what she's doing. You start to hear stories of, of young girls being kidnapped from their homes and taken away into sex trafficking. Girls living in Nicaragua, and you hear that we're doing a mission trip in the summer, and you go, you know what? I'm tired of just changing the channel when I hear things like that in my life and just pretending like it's not going on. I'm going to raise the money. I'm going to get good mad. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to share light on somebody to let them know that somebody's thinking about them. It's time to get good mad. Good mad. God has your life. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.